Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome to Elevate Life. I'm, I'm Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. And before you, before you sit down or anything, one of the things we do at this time in the service is we just say some really great things about us that God has to say about us. So put your hand on your heart just as a point of contact. The words are going to be on the screen. And let's say this together. Take a deep breath. I declare that I am created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2021 is my year of possible. Things that have been impossible in my past are being overtaken by what is possible in my future. I declare that 2021 is a year of divine conjunction where God has been and is working all things together from my past and present for my future good. I declare that according to Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> with, <laughs> with God, all things are possible. To declare that as I am taught the word of God and apply it, that I am wonderfully well and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Give yourselves a big hand. You can be seated. So, so glad that you're here. And obviously, you know, it's a really great thing to say that about ourselves. And, you know, no matter how much we say it, you got you to keep your head in the game. So um, if you're brand new, before I just jump into some message, if you're brand new here, we really just want to welcome you if you're a first time guest. And yeah, it's a clap for you. And um, if you're watching online or you happen to be in this room today, we just want you to know we love you. And what we say is you're already family. The church is not a place. The church is people and it's people doing life together. And so if you're brand new to church, the idea of church or our church, uh, we want to connect with you. We want to get to know you as a person. And that can feel weird when we're in a room like this. Um, but what we have is a number. We have a number, 972-945-9772. That's not an automated number. It's an actual number you can text us at today sitting in this room or watching online, wherever you're at. You can text us and we, can, we, we wanna pray for you, believe for you if there's any questions that you have, any way that we can serve you, please let us know. But if you're brand new, you can text the letters VIP to that number and we'll give you $5 just for texting us because we love you and we want you to know uh, that we want to be your friend. So hopefully you want to be our friend too. We want to do life with you. So if you're brand new, make sure you do that. Make sure you get connected and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Let us pray for you. So um, we're talking about the way we're jumping in this series. It's, it's called the way some of us have watched this. There's a show uh, about the way it's called the Mandalorian and uh, oh shoot, we got Star Wars fans. First service didn't really know what Star Wars was. I had to explain it. So I don't know what these people are watching. I've been in quarantine. I'm just like looking for more stuff to watch, right? So, so why do they only come out with one of those a week? Why not 10 a week? Anyway, what they say in the Mandalorian is this is the way. So you'll say that with me. This is the way. It's from the Bible. Y'all didn't know that. But that's from the Bible. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, the Bible says, and your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, you're going to hear this is the way. And so uh, that's the title, I guess, of my message today. But I want you to look at in your Bibles, John chapter 14 with me, because Jesus calls himself the way. So Jesus is looking at his disciples and this is right before he goes to the cross and he and he uh, he dies on the cross for our sins. He looks at his disciples. He looks at his best friends and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Now, Thomas, who's a lot like me, is like, no, actually, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so Jesus, in, our, in the life that Jesus lived, he prepared a place for us to be a part of something. The church represents that. The church, like I said, is not a place, it's people. And God prepared for us to be a part of his family 2,000 years ago with the life of Jesus. We didn't establish the church as a really good idea for us, Jesus did. In, in Isaiah chapter 35, the Bible says there's gonna be a highway and it's called the way of holiness. And even if you're a fool, you're not gonna go, you're not gonna go astray. I heard, this, I heard this story recently that um, the Romans, you might know this, you might not know this, you might be a student of history or not, but more than 2,000 years ago, the Romans built a network of roads that stretched across their entire empire and made it accessible to everybody. 50,000 miles of roads were built in a 700-year period. These roads were some of the first roads ever, and if they helped people get where they wanted to go faster than ever before. In fact, if you go to Europe, if you ever visit Europe or Italy, or your, Italy's in Europe, maybe, I don't know. I took geography a long time ago. Yeah, thank you, it's there. Italy's a country and it exists. So that's the information I have for you today. If you go to places like that, a lot of the roads that highways and city roads are on now are on some of the original roads that the Romans paved 2,000 years ago. What the Romans used was uh, chariots, and they used chariots to travel their roads. You know, there was a time, uh, and, and the chariots, sorry, the chariots all had an exact specification of how wide those wheels were across. It's called a wheelbase. But how wide chariot wheels were across was called one pace, a passus in Latin. And a pace in Latin was if I took my left foot and my right foot like that, and then my left foot. That measurement is called a pace. So the Romans established the width of chariot wheels at 56 and a half inches. And every Roman military chariot had a 56 and a half inch wheelbase, or the wheels were that far apart. And uh, the primary people that traveled these roads initially were military, because Romans used them to get to their far-flung places where they, had, uh, where they were conquering people, right? They would go all the way from Italy into, uh, they would go all the way, they would end up all the way in England. And so, um, so what the chariots would do when they traveled on the roads, they would, they would make these things called ruts. Now this is an actual picture of a city called Pompeii, you may have heard of it, but that's, those are chariot ruts from way long ago in the city of Pompeii. So here's what started to happen. If you wanted to travel the Roman roads and you had a wagon, your wheels had to be 56 and a half inches across. Because the way wagons work with wagon wheels is if your wheels are not in the ruts, they're gonna break. So you need to make sure your wheels are in the ruts and that that means that, means that your wheels need to be 56 and a half inches across. So after the fall of the Roman Empire, these roads still existed. 
and the width of wagon wheels was still 56 and a half inches across. In the 1500s in England, they started to build what they called tramways. And tramways, what they did was they just took the wagon wheels off of wagons and put them on a track. And the wagon was still pulled by a horse, but now it was pulled on a train track because this, or a tramway track, because this track was used all the time. So these tramways were placed on top of and alongside the original Roman's road, Roman roads. And the train tracks ended up being the same width as the wagon wheels, which was 56 and a half inches. We get to the 1800s. In the 1800s, the English begin to build the first ever railroads. They, they invent the steam train, the steam engine, and they start to build trains on these tramways that used to pull wagons. And these tramways are built on top of the original Roman roads. The width of the train wheels was the same as the tramway tracks that had existed for hundreds of years before that were on top of the roads that had existed for thousands of years before, 56 and a half inches. In America, we started building trains around the same time, building train tracks that crisscross the country that we live in. Those train tracks are the same width as the English train tracks, which happen to be 56 and a half inches. At one point in history, roads represented the pinnacle of human travel, the best way for us to travel. Before roads, we would just wander around, I guess, not knowing where to go in the mud. Well, the Romans established roads. It's like, my goodness, roads. This is crazy. We can walk on stones to get to where we're going. And then we have chariots now. So now we can, we can have the horses walk for us. And then, and then the pinnacle of, of human transportation, the innovation led us to the tramway. And then the tramway led us to the train. So, so at one point in history, the train was like the most cool thing that you could travel on uh, in the world. Well, now if we think about what is, the, what is the peak of human transportation, if I gave you time to think of it, we'd probably all come up with the same answer. And that's space travel. Getting in a spaceship, riding a rocket is the dream right? Elon Musk is going to go live on Mars. I don't think they have Twitter there, so I'm not sure he's going to really end up doing that. But so spaceships are <laughs> so funny. You're so common, you know, culture talking about what's happening in the world today. Anyway, I just make bad jokes worse by doing that. So moving on. So spaceships represent the peak of human travel. In, in what we can do. You know, in the, in the space shuttle, when they built the space shuttle, they put these white rockets on the side. That middle thing is actually a fuel tank. And on the, on the sides of the space shuttle, they have what's called SRBs. Those are solid rocket boosters. And those are the things that help the space shuttle escape the atmosphere. When building the SRBs, the engineers who built them had to ship them by train from the factory to the launch pad. So what you see here is this really long train and that's the solid rocket boosters in this picture, broken down into pieces and spread out across the whole train. The width, height, and weight of the solid rocket boosters was dictated by the width of the railroad tracks that were dictated by the roads, that were dictated by the chariots that were built by the Romans 2,000 years ago. So in, in the world today, we have train tracks that exist 
We have the pinnacle of human travel, rocket ships, and the design of a rocket ship is based on some guy that measured out 56 and a half inches of width for a chariot 2,000 years ago, and we have, to be, we have to conform to that standard. So every iteration of transportation that's happened has been based on the width of a Roman chariot wheelbase from 2,000 years ago. You know, a Roman chariot can go 35 to 40 miles an hour. It's pretty fast. A bullet train, which the fastest bullet train in Japan, can go 375 miles an hour. That's around 10 times faster than a chariot. Beautiful. Solid rocket boosters can go 17,500 miles an hour plus. That's 46 times faster than the fastest train that's ever been built and 473 times faster than the Roman chariot. Now, I hope today that you did not come to church on a horse. We, we are the beneficiary, even though a lot in, think about this, not that you've ever thought about it, but there's a lot of transportation that's dictated by the width of a Roman chariot wheel from, from 2,000 years ago. But you and I did not, there was a time where riding on a horse was the pinnacle of travel that you could aspire to. Riding a wagon was the pinnacle of travel that you could aspire to. Riding a horseless carriage is the pinnacle of travel for a lot of us. But someday there will be a time where we just take rockets everywhere. I'm down for that. I'm down to live in the Jetsons. I'm down to say, hey, like, let's go to Hawaii later today. And it's about a 30 minute flight. 100%. I want to travel the world in about a week. And that's awesome. So, so Jesus, 2,000 years ago, says to his disciples, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, around the same time that they're building these Roman roads. And he says, this is the wheelbase. This is, this is the way that I want you to walk in. This is the way that I want you to follow. And he gives us this thing that we call in the church world, the Great Commission. So in Matthew chapter 28, he's getting ready to go up to heaven for the, for the final time. He turns to his disciples, and many of you may have heard of this, but he gives them the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, this is the way that you follow me, is you not only follow me, but you create highways behind you. So right now, we're building the chariot. So Jesus says to the disciples, we're building the chariot right now. You guys are gonna build trains. And the people that come behind you are gonna build rocket ships, but it's all gonna be based on these 56 and a half inches that I'm giving you. And so Jesus himself says in the New Testament, he says, greater works than me will you do. So that's not the minimum standard, or that is the minimum standard. That's not like hopefully one day. What Jesus has intended for us to do 2,000 years later, if we can take a, a silly measurement of Roman chariot wheels, turn those into train tracks and turn those into rocket boosters, what Jesus has intended us to do is to be 500 times greater than what was happening uh, 2000 years ago as the church. So when we, when COVID happened, uh, and it's still happening, 
Uh, but just personally, I'm just done with it for a lot of reasons that are not related to anything except I really love restaurants and um, big food guy, right? So um, no, nothing else connected to that. So whatever you feel, I don't know. We love getting offended anyway, so I'm probably going to say something else that offends you today. <laughs> so anyway, March, it happens, right? We all got to deal with it. And um, as a church, you know, what happens in the church world in Christianity, unfortunately, a lot of people don't give anyway, and they don't really participate in the life of the church. That's fine. It's par for the course. Greater works than me will you do, maybe sometimes with a few of us. Anyway, um, that's the norm. Well, COVID happens. Here's the first thing people do when they go through a hard time. They stop giving and they stop serving. They stop participating. Even Christians do that. Um, Christians are really great at that, actually. They're, they're, they're perfect flakes. They're perfect at it. Um, see, you didn't laugh because like, we're a part of that together. Um, I know that hurts me, too, to say that because I'm really awesome at flaking out not doing stuff that I know I should do. It's like, okay, God, grace, whatever. So we got, we got freaked out. I got freaked out personally as a leader in our church. Like, man, like this is how I support my family. This is also the most important thing that I do is, is reach people, love people, serve people. We're not gonna be able to gather together. We're not gonna be able to do what it is that we're called to do as a church. Like, are we gonna have people still give? Are we gonna have people still sow? And I love Pastor Keith and I'm so grateful for his mentorship and his voice in my life because his response in our family as a, as a church was, hey, you know what? We're gonna give more than we've ever given. And we're gonna do more than we've ever done. We're gonna give more to missions than we've ever given. And so we're gonna pay off, we're gonna pay off $7.9 million in medical debt. Let's make that happen. We did that, right? We got our most recent report from our last payoff and it's 2,000 plus people have had their medical debt in the counties around us. 2,000 plus people had their medical debt completely paid off. If that was me making the call, I'd be like, no, we can't do that. I'm so sorry. I want to make sure that my kids eat. Um, but thank you so much for those of you that have given and sown and given sacrificially in this season of our church, because that's what has equipped us to do that. And we've operated in faith. And so we've just come out of this series talking about faith. We're going to give more to missions. We're going to serve more. We're going to do more. We're going to do all this different kind of stuff. So we got not, we got unafraid really quick. There's a lot of people that are still scared. There's a lot of people that are still navigating their own personal fears, which is okay. We all have to do that. We all have anxieties. We all have doubts. We all have real reasons why we feel the way that we feel. It's not about any, any of that not being valid, but it is about for us as a church. I just want to give you a perspective that we started thinking about what does it look like for us to come out of this? So not like how do we keep responding? Because that's sometimes when we go through hard things in life, our focus just becomes how do I make it through tomorrow? How do I make it through the next day? How do I make sure I respond to the next crisis or the next tragedy? And what we want to do is create a plan and say, what's going to be my approach that takes me to the next level, despite what's happening right now? Because we were down, we were navigating a lot of things like every church in America has been doing and is doing. And so we begin to ask what we call the effectiveness question. We looked at the Great Commission and we said, okay, this is what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to go make disciples. This is the, the purpose that Jesus didn't give pastors. This is the purpose that he gave us as, as people that call himself, that called themselves followers of Jesus. So the effectiveness question for us is this, how is that working out for us? So you and I can have philosophies of life, perspectives on how we should live. We can have ways that we want to raise our kids, ways that we want to lead our company, the way to measure whether or not that's that's actually effective is to ask the question, how's that working out for us? In other words, do you like the results you're getting? 
If you don't like the results that you're getting, change what you're doing. Because insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But the truth is we're more comfortable with what we know than stepping into something that we don't know. Because for a lot of us, a known bad outcome is better than an unknown outcome. Like I would rather just stay with the bad that I know, like better the devil than you know, better the devil you know than the one you don't. So like I have a known bad outcome and I would rather just stick with that than go into the unknown. That's like weird about how humans operate. So we started to look at the Great Commission. And if you go to any church in the West, not even America, you go to any church in the West and you ask this question, how good are you guys at making disciples? Pretty much every church, us included, would go, oh, we're doing okay. No one's really winning in that department, right? And so we started to look at how well are we, Jesus said, I'm with you always and I want you to go do this. So how well are we doing with that? And as a church, Elevate Life here in Frisco, Texas, I mean, good grief, we're in the freaking buckle of the Bible belt. It's really hard to lose here, right? And so we're happy with where we're at. I mean, I'm not gonna, when we take up offering today, I'm not gonna say, hey, you know, like, really gotta keep the lights on next week and hopefully we can have service and we can make it another day. That's not, that's not where we are as a church and that's not where we've ever been and we're grateful for what God's doing in our church. We're grateful for the life that we have. I'm grateful that we had amazing worship today with our worship team. And God's doing some really great stuff in our church. And that's really beautiful. Like it's awesome today that you didn't have to, if you checked your kids into our kids ministry, you didn't have to go to our kids ministry and find out it was closed because no one showed up to serve. And man, like, you know, we're just really struggling right now and hoping we can make it. That's not where we're at as a church. Like we're really happy with what's happening. Um, Not super happy. Oh, I said really happy. So like, we're okay. Because <laughs> 2020, people aren't coming back to church and whatever, blah, 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 all that different kind of stuff. So we're navigating a lot of different dynamics, but God has been so faithful and we're so grateful for that, that we get to do life with people. And I love the relationships I have here. I love being a part of this church. But when we look at the church, the capital C church, we started to, we started to look at some things that are honestly super concerning. So the first thing is, this is American church attendance. In 2000, 69% of Americans said that they go to church regularly. 2010, 62% of Americans. 2020, 49%. And you and I could say, oh, well, that's because of COVID. This was before COVID. This is like the end of 2019. Church attendance in America has fallen off a cliff. So even, even, even in communities like ours, right? Then when we look at the percentage of people generationally that call themselves Christians, 76% of baby boomers call themselves Christians. That's awesome. 67% of Generation X, like, well, you know, all right. 45% of millennials, which is my generation, they're always the issue, right? (laughs) By the way, millennials are in their 40s now, so we can't keep blaming them for everything. But anyway, (laughs) come on, said the millennials, please stop. 42% of Generation Z. So once you look at this trend, trends are important. 76% of baby boomers, my parents' generation. 67% of Generation X, the generation immediately following them. 45% of millennials. How we doing, baby boomers? Parenting well? Did you parent well? I don't know. Didn't really get your kids in church. 42%, hang on, hey. 42% of Gen Z. 42%. Some of y'all are like, dang, like, why you got to hurt me like that? You know, we're hurting ourselves. 
Because the thing is, I mean, it's not like, so these are the kids of Gen X. Gen X didn't really do nothing either. So they're doing, oh, maybe they're uh, doing nothing. That's, an, that's too much. Not doing very well, okay? So then we look at churches in the United States of America. 84% of churches in the United States of America are in stagnation or decline. We're having really great worship, though. This awesome. Like God's moving. It's powerful. Like we love the church that we're a part of me as an individual. Like I like being a part of this. I like that. They put on this show for me to come to every week. Normally every year, 5,000 to 10,000 churches close in the United States of America. There's around, um, 300,000 churches right now in the country that we live in. According to most recent statistics based on COVID and some, some of these outlying factors, 20% of churches in the United States of America are going to close in the next 12 to 18 months. It represents 60,000 churches. So I hope you guys enjoy the worship while it lasts. Because we're all going to be doing this at home soon. Well, no, but like, I mean, this is, this is the trend. Because we, we can, you and I, Come to, hey, Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You guys should build rocket ships. Well, Jesus, I really think it would be cool if we actually stopped using the chariot and destroyed the road, and then we went back to that. Let's go back to the, to the barbarianism of that age, because I know you're wanting me to, like, you know, follow the way and create disciples, okay? But Jesus, that's not really maybe something that I want to focus on. 51% of churchgoers have not heard of the Great Commission. So Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Here's the mission. If you follow Jesus, here's the mission. Tells his disciples, they tell their disciples, so on and so forth. 51% of people that come to church in the United States of America have never heard of that. 2,000 years later. That's like saying you've never heard of a road before. Like I've never had like a concept of road. What is that? I'm just used to like walking trails. You mean they have like little paved things that your feet don't get all muddy on? This is the actual survey that Barna did. 51% of Americans or 51% of Christians, not Americans, 51% of Christians said, no, I haven't heard of it. 25% said, yeah, but I can't recall the exact meaning. Hey, can I just put you down for no then? Cause you don't just like <laughs> maybe heard the term, don't know what it is. 6%, I'm not sure. That's nice, but you're also a no. 17% of American Christians say, yes, I've heard of the Great Commission, and it means this. So we're doing great as Elevate Life Church. The church is dying. There is no, there is no debating the data at this point. People are turning away from church at a massive rate. So as, as if you own a business, think about this. 84% of businesses in your industry are in decline. What someone would tell you if you hired a corporate coach, they would say, hey, your industry's dying and you need to get out of it. You need to figure out how to pivot or do something different because that industry is not gonna exist anymore. You know, there was a time where before we had refrigerators, that there was an entire industry built around making ice and selling ice to people. Ice, one of the things that built 
trains built, built the railroads in the United States of America was the shipping of ice all across the United States of America. Well, then people started to get ice boxes. They started to get refrigerators at their house. It's like, oh, we don't really need the ice people anymore. So all the ice people went away. Like, I, ho- I don't think today you are, are planning on going and buying some, uh, some big blocks of ice later to make it through the summer. So this is what's happening in the thing that I am personally a leader in, the industry that I'm a part of. And we can feel really great about how God is moving in our individual church. But when we look at the thing we're a part of, it's like, what are we going to do? So we started to think about that in 2020. Like, man, that's, that's like sobering. And I know you came in today just going, like, I just want to go to church because I just want some hope, you know? Like, I had a tough week. And... <laughs> You just need some encouragement from the Lord. And hopefully you got that during worship today. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not going to end here. Because we've spent nine months of time, way longer than that actually, but we've spent nine months of time intentionally saying as a church, this is not going to happen here. We can't control, we can't control, we can't control like the whole church in the United States of America, right? That's not within our our area of control, but we are going to figure out how to build a rocket ship. Like we're not going to, this, if God, if Jesus himself said, do this and I'm with you always, well, great. We're going to build a rocket because uh, we're not even fighting statistics. So, um, so what we did was we spent a lot of time just thinking through what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? What are we going to approach? And I'm here to, I'm here to tell you today we have, I want to, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make some announcements today about what we're doing to navigate this as a church and invite you into helping us do that and buying into this idea of building a rocket ship. But, um, more than you just hear me give you more information and more statistics, I want to tell you a story and I want you to see the story of what it looks like if we really get it. So check out this video. My name is Beverly and I've been at Elevate Life Church since 2014. I moved to Frisco from the beautiful island of Oahu. That was a hard move. Sometimes I think, hmm, wish I was still there. (laughs) I actually was born in Jacksonville, Florida at an abortion adoption clinic. I was uh, very lucky that I was born instead of aborted. And the doctor that delivered me had a list of people to call who were looking to adopt babies. My mother used to just get the biggest joy of telling me about the phone call and how excited they were. And they were 33 years old and couldn't have children, so they were waiting and waiting. They were the best thing that ever happened to me. I look back and God was holding my hand, even when I was in my birth mother's womb. Not long ago, I got a text saying, hey Bev, would you like to be in a photo shoot for She Time? And of course I said, yeah, that would be fun. Of course, I knew nothing about it until I arrived on the rooftop of a parking uh, garage in Frisco. And there were these amazing, beautiful young women. And we spent an hour and a half on the rooftop. And it seems that we laughed the entire time. 
And I would look over and there was this cute little teenager and I thought, I've never seen her before. And so I asked her what her name was and she said Presley and that she was in the ninth grade. And so we just asked basic questions. And I thought, that's how I want my grandchildren to be, just like Presley. My name's Presley Gray, and I didn't grow up in Frisco, but now I, I live in Frisco with my aunt and uncle. Whenever my mom was pregnant with me, she was in rehab, they had planned to go to a TD Jake service in Dallas, and afterwards she had an appointment for an abortion. And in the TD Jake's service, she felt that God just called her to not have an abortion. And now she had me in rehab. And then going out of that, that was really difficult. So as, as I was growing up, she was still struggling with like alcohol and drug problems. From then, I always had like my Mimi growing up, which was like my backbone. If anything went wrong, I always would like go live with her. My Mimi always like implemented like faith into my life, but I was obviously younger and it wasn't as big of a picture. And then she passed away when I was in fifth grade. So after she passed away, my mom was just really like struggling. She at that time, even prior, she was still struggling with her drug and alcohol addiction. So in sixth grade, we were living with like family friends because we were just having trouble with like finances and stuff. So I, I started living with them and one day like my mom just disappeared. I lived with them for almost a year and then they adopted me September 30th of 2019. And I still get to see my family and I still talk to my mom, but now I can just like have peace knowing that I'm like with parents and, and then I started coming to Elevate because I was living in Frisco and I just got invited one day and then it's like my whole life just changed. I definitely always struggled with not having like a father figure in my life and I remember whenever I went to She Time, Michelle Brogan was speaking about adoption. And some of you, you're using your past also to find if you've been adopted and you've been chosen and God is saying, I'm the one through my blood that has adopted you. I have come and got you out of that cage. I have come and got you out of that situation. So no matter if a man leaves you, a husband leaves you, if your daddy left you, you're still adopted. I was thinking about I was adopted. I didn't know that Presley was adopted, but I saw her go down front and she was praying. And when they finished, she came walking back up toward where I was, and she saw me, and I put my arms out to her, because I could tell she was crying, and I just hugged her for a minute. And I said, are you okay? And she said, well, the service just kind of reminded me that I was adopted and what I'd been through, and that I really have been God's daughter all these years. It wasn't that I was alone, and I didn't have a, a necessary uh, physical father that I could lean on, but I had God and he'd been there all my life. And I said, that is impactful. And I, I said, and you know, I, I was adopted and we have sort of a little similar story. She happened to tell me that her Mimi had been one of the most important people in her life and that she had passed away. And I said, well, 
I'm old enough to be your Mimi, but I'm going to be your Tutu. And she just looked at me kind of funny. And, but Tutu is what Hawaiian children call their grandmother. So that night I became Presley's adopted Tutu. And I'm so thrilled to have her in my life. Beverly was like, well, you know, I'm going to adopt you to be my granddaughter then for your Mimi. It's just made my heart so happy, you know, to know that like people have like a heart of like love, even if they're not actually your family. She was really like generous and she reminded me a lot of my Mimi in that moment that she's just like, a, has a heart of like giving and love like God does. I was so excited. I remember I went home and I was like, guys, I'm so excited. But it was, it was awesome and I'm really thankful that I met Beverly. I would just encourage everybody to just find their family of choice because it really does have such an impact on you and just to find wisdom like that's what I've gotten so much out of family of choice doing life with other people who want to love like you and so I encourage you to go to wave night I encourage you to come to service I encourage you to serve and it can be scary it can be hard but it's so so worth it we have so many bright talented young people at our church and I look forward to them being my leader so I can follow some new things but to see the joy in these young people as they serve God watch the young people cheer for them it's all for the glory of God and that's why we're all here Presley and Beverly, can you go over to Presley real quick? Y'all just, can y'all just honor Beverly and Presley today? And <laughs> Presley, Hey, you have no idea. You have no idea how God's going to use you. Just who you are. I don't even know you that well. I've spent very few, very little time with you, but you are, you are unbelievable. And we believe in you as a church. I believe in you as a person, but we believe in you as a church. And I want you to stretch your hands towards Beverly and Presley. God, I pray in this season of Beverly's life, God, that you'd use her story like never before. God, and we speak a blessing, a blessing over Presley. God, as a 15-year-old girl, that you're going to use her to do way more than she can ever ask, think, or imagine. God, I thank you for her spirit. I thank you for her heart. I pray that you'd protect that. God, that you'd lead her and guide her, that your Holy Spirit would speak to her like never before, and you would use her to do miracles like you've done in her life. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So y'all can be seated. This is what it looks like. This is what it's supposed to be. This is what God wants to do in the church. There is not one person, whether you're watching online or you're sitting in this room, that that story does not totally resonate with you. Because what I think is I'm grateful that I had a Beverly. Now mine's not named Beverly, but mine's named Keith. I had my dad. Some of you are Presley in that story, like you wish that you had a Beverly in your life. Some of you had one and you're grateful for that. You know, when I was 17 years old, it was the first time I spoke on a platform at a church. 
And I spoke like a 17 year old. I'm not a prodigy, 100%, like I'm a late bloomer, but here's what I had. I had a guy who said, you're the future and I believe in you. And when I was 17 years old, Pastor Keith started calling me the future. Now you can't call me the future now because I'm losing my hair and I got gray in my beard. But what happened in our church, what happened in my life, what makes me the man I am today, the husband I am today, the father I am today, is when I was 17 years old, someone looked at me and said, I'm gonna invest everything I have in you because you are the future. And it's not about me, it's about me building you. And so as a church, you look at these statistics and we look at all the different things that happen, happen and we think, God, what are we gonna do? In the process of our planning, this story happens. Like Beverly in her heart, this girl she meets on a, on a photo shoot, there's this divine connection that God builds that shows us the picture of what God wants our church to be. Because God wants this church filled with Presley's, but it's also got to be filled with Beverly's. And that's what God needs and that's what we need. So for us as a church, I'm just going to give you some information. I'm done. That's the preach. Whatever. Let's go. A hundred percent. Crying my eyes out. I've only watched that story 10 times. Still doesn't matter. I feel like I'm watching the notebook, but for real, <laughs> that's the only thing that that's the only one guys like, by the way, for real. Anyway, I don't know why that is. <laughs> so in the world, we look at Gen Z, 42%. In the world, there's 1.8 billion 13, 13 to 18 year olds that exist in our world today. In Collin and Denton County, the, the counties that we are in and that we minister to as a church, there's 211,000 uh, plus people that are between the ages of 13 and 18. I want to tell you something as a church. The next gen is not a part of our church. The next gen is our church. And I want to talk about why this, why this is so significant, because this isn't a statement that we're making. This is a vision that we are, that we are pursuing. We believe God's in it. And, and in January, pastor Keith sat down with our staff and he said, 2021 represents a relaunch of our church. And what you're, what you're experiencing and what you're in, regardless of how long you've been in this church, maybe you're brand new and you're like, dang, this is, this is a lot. What you're experiencing is right now is going to be the most exciting time we've had in our church since we started in 2000, because we feel like God has completely, um, not just changed our hearts, but refocused our vision on who we should be and what we should be, not just as Elevate Life Church, but as a, but as Christians and as Christ followers, that our job is to build the road according to the 56 and a half inches so that one day, People like Presley build the rocket ship and that's what God's going to do. And so, so the first thing that we've done is we've developed a 12 month discipleship path for young people called the way. And the, one of the most awesome things about this story is Presley, before she even met Beverly was a leader in this group. She's going to be discipling people through a 12 month long discipleship path. The second thing that we're doing that you've heard about, you probably have heard about as a church is we're doing wave night. June 26 is our first wave night. Yeah. June 26 is our first wave night. And that's a night just for, just for middle school and high school students to come, not just have a great time and have a great preach. And that's not just for our youth ministry. It's for our whole church 
because the next gen is our church. So we are pulling out all the stops. This is a full blown wide church event for us to really reach young people. And what you can do, if you, if this resonates with you in the slightest, this story and this idea, what you need to do is you need to get every young person that you know to wave night. That's what you got to do. If you're a part of this church, what I want you to do is there's a QR code. You guys can go ahead and put it up. Maybe some point, just whenever you're ready, there's going to be a QR code. There's going to be a QR code that goes on the screen and that's a link to a sign up to be a part, to get someone in wave night. We want students to sign up for wave night because we're giving away a whole bunch of money. And if we don't have your name, we don't have your information. Can't give you any money. I want you to take this link. We'll get it to you. Figure it out. Maybe we'll talk about it in a second. I want you to get this link and I want you to share it with every young person that you know. But what I want you to do right now, some of y'all been on your phone this whole time and that's okay. I see you. Everyone's got lights on them. I'm looking out. What I want you to do is while you're on your phone anyway, I want you to take your phone out, open your notes page. And I want you to commit in your own heart and your own mind to get five to 10 young people that you know to wave night personally, because we have to be Beverly's. We want this church full of Beverly's. And that means you and I as individuals have to commit. You, you got kids that got friends. They got friends, friends. You got, you know, nieces and nephews and cousins and whatever. Get them here so that they can be a part. There, holla. There it is. So get them there, get them signed up and you get them here. That way they can be a part of what God wants to do in their life. And we can all together as the church be a part of the story that God is going to tell through these young people. The third thing that we're doing, I think this is going to go back to my notes. Maybe they'll take it back. So the third thing that we're doing is what we call the future service. The future service is all about the future. We're launching a 1 PM service on the weekend of June 27th. And most of the time in churches, you launch services because the, the room's too full. Well, after COVID, we don't know when or if that's ever going to happen again. But what we do know is that we need to create space to walk into uncharted territory. This is uncharted territory for us as a church. We have as much figured out as we possibly can right now. But every Sunday, starting June 27th at 1 p.m., we have a service, a full-blown Sunday service for the next generation, for the future, with all the same preaching, all the same worship, all the same team, because if it, if it works for young people, it's going to work for our church. And there's ways for you to get involved in that. Like maybe you already serve and maybe you already give and maybe you're already a part of our church. That's awesome. But if you're not a part of our church and you don't serve anywhere, or if you'd like to play a part in this 1 PM service, there's two teams you can join. It doesn't matter what your competencies are. Um, but there's two teams you can join. Number one, you can join a kid's team. And cause we're going to have kids ministry during that 1 PM service. Number two, you can join our production team because all this takes a lot and it takes some expertise and doesn't matter if you're good at it. We'll train you. We'll help you because this is way more than about us having competencies and skill sets. It's just about us saying, I'm going to invest purposely in the next generation. So we're going to be talking about that service as we go. But what you can do is text serve to our number 972-945-9772. You can text serve and there's an option to sign up to serve as a part of that service specifically. What we're doing as a, what we're doing as a church is we're launching that service intentionally to tell young people and to have the same conversation with them that pastor Keith had with me, that you are the future and we're going to invest in you and you're going to be the leaders. Like I'm not leading the small group or the way group 
that Presley leads. She's leading that. All these, all these, these youth that come through and they get saved at wave night, it's going to be amazing. They're going to join Presley, Presley's group and they're going to hear Presley and all these other, there's 30 different leaders. They're going to hear all their stories and they're going to be discipled by young people. But, but you know what young people need is they need discipleship too. They need us to stop thinking as American Christians that I just want to go to a church where I get fed. No, that ain't it. That ain't it, chief. I want to go to a church where I feed. I want to go to a church. I want to, I want to go to a church where I have an opportunity to be a Beverly. So I got to follow the way so that they can create the highway. Cause you know what? If we don't, if we don't do this, my generation and their generation is going to figure, have to figure out how we have church in a completely godless society. If we keep doing what we're doing, that's exactly where it's headed. So let's go. So, so as a church, we need your help. We don't need you coming here because you're getting fed. There's, there's, there's other churches that aren't, aren't doing this yet. They're going to, because they're going to see the same data that we see. And here's what's going to happen in the culture of Christianity. You're either about it or you're not. And, I, and, 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 I'm, and I'm telling you, I've grown up in this thing. I've grown up in Christianity. I've grown up in church where people just come and they feel like it's good enough for them to just take up space in the church. And isn't it nice that I showed up today? No, you're being a waste of space. Let's get serious. Like, let's get serious about the thing that we want to be a part of. Because, because, because nobody, and I'm just going to go here with you for a second, because nobody made you go be a Christian. Nobody made you follow Jesus. Following Jesus ain't about us feeling good about us. It's not about me just having, oh man, thank God I had worship today. And thank God I walked out of here encouraged. I hope you feel encouraged today, but I also feel like it, I also hope you feel like it's time to put the ball down because we got to accomplish this mission. Jesus gave us this mission. This isn't like, hey, you know, me and Pastor Keith had a conversation and we said, we're going to go raise up disciples. Like we haven't done it. So now's the time to do it. This is what we're going to be about as a church. Like we've never been about before because this is the thing that Jesus is in. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and build churches and have worship sets and make sure you have events and make sure everybody gets the right kind of ministry and make sure everybody does this and everybody does that. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And that's a personal demand that he places on us. If we follow him, that we get in, we, we get in the way and we actually follow him. We actually live a life like Jesus because you and I, we have to create a world where people can follow us. And when we look at following Jesus, you can go back to those statistics. You can go back to anything. We're not winning. Okay. Not winning as Christians. What it looks like with Presley and, and Beverly is that's what winning looks like. That's where the hope is. That's where the life is in this thing. That it's time, it's time to just stop living and being okay with known bad outcomes. It's time for us as a church to embrace the unknown and step fully into what God has for us to say, you know what? We don't have everything figured out. We're selling out to this thing. We're going to bleed for this thing. We're going to make this thing happen because the next generation is it. The future is it. If we don't get them, none of this stuff matters anyway. So if that offended you, um, I don't apologize. Get over it. Cause it's cause no, I'm, I'm <laughs> so, like, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying for real, like it's, it's, it's just time. 
It's time for the church to stop being about us. And it's time for the church to be about them. And in order for the church to be about them, we got to give a hundred percent effort. And we can't, we can't allow Jesus himself said that the world is peripheral to the church. The church is not peripheral to the world. This is the only thing. It's not the main thing. It's the only thing. This is the reason God created us was to fulfill the great commission. If you call yourself a Christ follower, if you and I call ourselves that this is not a man, we should do this. This is a, we have to do this. We have to do this because every, every Beverly needs a Presley and every Presley needs a Beverly. Like I'm telling you, I need Pastor Keith in my life. When Pastor Keith had his heart attack, I was like, who's going to help me? Like, who's going to mentor me? Who's going to correct me? Who's going to check me on my stuff? I need that. At 33 years old, I need that. I don't need something to be about me. I don't need something to be about, you know, and, the, and we've, got it, we've got it all twisted. And I'm not going to go. I already, I already talked to you about what we're going to do. So I'm not going to go down this whole road. But, but I will say this, like, most of the time when you and I come into environments and come into churches, what we, what we can sometimes think is how am I being utilized in that place? And how are my gifts and talents being taken advantage of? And God wants to use us to the full extent of our ability, but our gifts and talents being utilized are not where we find our fulfillment. Our gifts and talents being utilized are only being supposed to be utilized in service to the great commission. Cause when we fulfill the great commission, that is where we will find our greatest source of fulfillment as Christ followers. When you and I go into all the world, I don't know what your personal world is. I don't know who's, who people have brought into your life, but there's 211,000 plus young people in our counties that need us to make them a priority, that need us to pour into them, that need us to lead them and speak into their life and sow into them and make them understand there is way more in you than you see. There is way more in you than you know. God wants to use you in a powerful way. It's above anything you can ask, think, or imagine. So for us as a church, we are, we are 100%ing, 100% planting our stake in the ground. This is the hill we're going to die on. This is, all of, this is what we're all about. And let's go, because God's in it. And that's what Jesus said. And that's the beautiful thing. I'm not here to, I'm not, I hope you, I hope you understand. I'm not being critical and I'm not being negative. I'm saying, hey, it's not working, so let's fix it. Because Jesus said he's in it. It's not just us doing it. You have to understand that. It's not just you and I going, hey, this is a really great strategy for our business. It's Jesus saying, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God's 100% in it. God's 100% for it. And he wants us to do it. And so it's time for us to make our decision about where we stand on that and just get serious. Say, man, like this ain't gonna happen. This ain't gonna happen. Like I'm telling you, I'm gonna give everything I can to not have 42% happen in my generation. I'm gonna give everything I can to make sure that people know that the gospel is the most transformative thing in life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give everything I have to make sure that I disciple whoever it is that God brings into my world because that's the thing that, that has to happen. I'm not gonna look at, we're not going to as a church, look at statistics, look at data, look at all this different stuff and do this emoji or this emoji. We're not gonna do that. We're gonna be fire emoji. We're going to be like pumped up hands emoji. We're going to be praise hands emoji. We're going to be prayer emoji. We're going to give it everything that we got because God wants us to do this. 
And so thank you for joining us on the journey. This is going to be, I'm telling you, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk a lot more about this. This is going to be the most exciting and adventurous and fun time that we've ever had in the church. Because the truth is, I need people around me like Presley because I'm not that fun. But she's fun. I need young people to help make it fun. And so we're excited about all the stuff that God's going to do. And thank you. If this resonates with you, thank you for wanting to join us on the journey. If it doesn't resonate with you, don't leave. Just kind of like think about it, process it, because it's a logical decision. And let's make some decisions about what that means for us. So I want to I want to invite you and encourage you today um, just to figure out how you can be like Beverly as the church to figure out for you. What does that look like for me? finding people that I can pour into and sow into in this season of my life. But where that has to start, and I want everyone that can hear my voice to bow your head and close your eyes with me, where that has to start is us choosing to follow the way. Jesus said, this isn't like my gospel. This isn't some quote that I'm giving you. Where it starts is Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The way that Jesus, the way that we're supposed to follow is the way of Jesus. And you might be sitting here today, you might be watching online, and you might just feel like, man, like I'm not, I, I, God's just been dealing with me on really following him, truly chasing after him, truly having a heart after God, wanting the life that God wants for me. Because the Great Commission that starts after you're a disciple. So you might need to be a person that like you just start hearing from Jesus and you just start letting the Holy Spirit speak to you. And it's this, it's this easy to walk into this relationship with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I accept your gift of grace and I choose to follow you. In your name I pray. Amen. That is the easiest conversation that you and God will ever have. Because it's not about believing. Discipleship and following Jesus is about giving your life to do it. So the hard conversations start now. What do you have to lay down? What do you have to move on from? What is it that you're going to allow God to lead you out of and lead you into? And that's why the church exists. That's why Jesus, it wasn't some human invention, the church. But the reason why Jesus established the church is because there needs to be a gathering of people that are on this mission together, that are helping each other. Can I tell you, this church is not a country club. We are flawed and dramatic and imperfect and wrong a lot of times. Some of what I said today probably was the wrong way to say something or the wrong way to come across. So just eat the meat and spit out the bones. If you don't like it, it's all good. I'm a human being. I'm not Jesus up here. If, if someone was going to preach the perfect sermon, that would be Jesus. We're just all trying. This is what our church represents. We're all just trying to the best of our ability to accomplish this mission. And we need that with each other. We need people that are going to believe the best in us. We need people that are going to be for us. 
And so if that's you and you prayed that prayer and you're like, man, I want to get connected somehow. I don't know what all that means. We make it super simple for you. All you have to do, whether you're in this room, you're watching online, is text the word Jesus to 972-945-9772. And we will pray with you. We'll stand with you. We'll get you plugged into anything you're interested in. We have an amazing marriage ministry. We have amazing stuff with women that Beverly and Presley are a part of. We have amazing stuff with men that's happening. We have amazing teams. We have all this awesome thing all these awesome things that are happening. And we, we break it down into bite-sized pieces and just help you understand where to get started. So please let us do that. That way we can follow the way together so that the people that come after us build rocket ships and they create the highway. I want to encourage you today, just before we, before we dismiss and before I bless you out, we're going to take up an offering. And I know a lot of us, you know, we're always, we're always happy and excited when it comes to offering time because we're sowing and we're giving generously and we're living the life that God has for us. And thank you as a church for empowering us to pay off $7.9 million in medical debt this past year. Thank you for empowering us to continue to do drive up food pantries. Thank you for empowering us to do events like wave night in our student camp that's coming up and all this different stuff so that we can reach people, so that we can love people, so that we can disciple people. So you might not give at all. You might not do anything as it relates to that as a Christ follower. This is a church that we buy into the concept of first fruiting, of tithing, of putting God first with our money. And I want to encourage you to do that. If you call this place your home church, that you do that. But the second thing I want to say is every three months, we kind of re-up on Possible the Dream. This is our year of possible. Reaching young people is impossible. Nobody tries to do it except for, you know, some of the largest advertising agencies in the world. 13 to 18 is the number one coveted demographic for most advertising companies. Nobody tries to do it because, well, you know, they don't have the money, they don't have the buying power, they don't have whatever, whatever, whatever. What we want to do is prioritize reaching young people, and we got to catch that in our hearts and in our minds. And what I want to encourage you to do over the next 90 days, over the next three months, you can read about Possible the Dream on our app if you have our app downloaded. But what I want to encourage you to do is so into people like Presley so into all these young people that are going to come as a part of wave night so into the people that are going to sign up to join us for a 12-month discipleship path over the next year that are young people and that what that takes is it takes us being the beverly's it takes us saying you know what those they are a priority to me they're important to me so i want to encourage you if you can i know i'm doing it but if you can over the next 90 days make a pledge over the next three months and say you know what, i'm gonna go over and above so that this vision can start to be accomplished. This year is going to be amazing and it's going to be beautiful. It's also going to cost us a lot, a lot of time, a lot of talent and a lot of treasure. But we know God's in it and we know God's with us and we know that he's for us. But when you go into uncharted territory, which is exactly where we're going, you got to map it out. You got to climb mountains you didn't anticipate. You got to do stuff you didn't know you were going to deal with. So we'd love for you to sow and to help us with that. And also don't forget, you can serve on a team. You can get young people to wave night. And again, I don't know where everybody's at in this room as it relates to that different kind of stuff, but please, please, please be Beverly. So what we're gonna, what we're gonna do, they put the stuff up on the screen for us to give, for us to sow. And I hope today resonates with you. I hope that, you know, man, I, like I walk out of here, I'm, I want you to understand with those statistics, it's scary and it's freaky and makes us feel weird, but man, like, there's so much hope in this. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to see God do some miraculous things in young people's lives. And thank you for being a part of that. And if you're brand new, if you're brand new to our church, 
Today was, today was a day of just us establishing a vision, putting a stake in the ground. If this resonates with you, awesome. Please, please uh, participate where you can. But don't feel any pressure or obligation for real to serve or, or, or give or whatever. Um, those of us who are part of this church, we're just excited about what God's doing in this church. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.